Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,249. Today we're going to spend some time with an author and a journalist who has wrapped her career in the automotive world and a whole lot more. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm, well, I'm in Westport, Connecticut, all the way across the country with a very special guest by the name of Jill Amadio. Jill, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready, even though I drive a humble Hyundai. If it rolls on rubber, I love it. That's my motto here. So we'll have some fun. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that people don't know about you, Jill? I lived in Bangkok for four years. Oh, wow. Well, I was a reporter for the Bangkok Post newspaper. Well, that must yeah. have been very interesting. Well, it was. It was at the end of the Vietnam War. My husband was stationed in Saigon with a federal agency, uh-huh. <laughs> which I would rather not mention. <laughs> Copy that. And so uh, myself and my three children uh, were ensconced in Bangkok. Oh, wow. Well, mm-hmm. very unique. I've learned from many guests that living abroad can certainly change your entire perspective, not only on the world, but also how you perceive yourself. Would you say that's something that occurred? Yes, I would, actually. I mean, I'm from England, and I sort of grew up in swinging London, okay. <laughs> working for a newspaper there. And um, when I got to Thailand, of course, it was a totally different culture. But, I, but we'd also been living in Bogota, Colombia, and before that in Madrid, Spain. So I was used to different cultures, but certainly the Thai culture was fascinating. Wow, what a wonderful opportunity. Mm. Well, that's that's great. I love it. Well, let's talk about what your career has been, and and we're going to talk about a very cool book today. So allow me to give you a proper introduction. Jill Amadeo is the author of both fiction and nonfiction books. As a journalist, she has covered auto racing for Gannett Newspapers, National Speed Sports News, and the Los Angeles Daily News, and many others. As a reporter for the Bangkok Post, as she mentioned, the first race she covered was a Formula 3 event in Macau uh, in Hong Kong. Jill was communications director for Skull Bandit Racing on several circuits, including IndyCars, NASCAR, Can-Am Sprint, and Funny Cars. She writes an award-winning mystery series and ghostwrites memoirs. She was a writer for Raul Sonny Balkin's biography, which we heard from Sonny two days ago, along working with Pete Lyons, who's a past guest here on Cars Yeah, on that very fun project. And it's an engaging memoir from one of America's racing unsung heroes. If you missed my talk with Sonny, you need to go back and listen to it because he is quite the character. No doubt Jill will share that as well. We'll take a brief moment with our sponsor here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a very interesting life. So keep the seatbelts buckled and we'll be right back. (laughs) Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner 
that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the U.S. are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now. Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young men and women to consider these viable career paths. Cars yeah knows that women make great techs. I've interviewed a lot of them, so we support the nonprofit Tech Force Foundation and its Women Tech Rocks initiative to ensure women see themselves in this profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today. So, Jill, we are back. You have had a very interesting career, but a lot of it seems to be revolved around the automotive world, the racing world, and so forth. So, as you were growing up and going into your career, were cars a big part of that, or did you just have a passion for racing and cars? No, I didn't learn to drive until I was 27, because in England, we did not have a car. My father had a motorbike, and that was about it. (laughs) So after I got married, I was given a car by my husband. It was a, oh, it's gorgeous, a Corvair convertible. So I I loved it, yeah. Wow, a Corvair, well, unique car with the rear engine, kind of a a Porsche-like vehicle. And you know what? Everybody, um, well, the uh, critics said it was a terrible car. It was not. It was gorgeous. And I took it to Spain and drove it there all over the country and to the islands of Ibiza and other places. And I just loved it. The only problem was that when I left Spain, the day before I was going to sell it, the transmission fell out. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I had to order another transmission from Sears Roebuck, of all places. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And and wait for it to be shipped from the U.S. It eventually <laughs> got there. And then when um, another car we had was a Seat, which was the Spanish version of the Fiat. Oh, yes. And the interesting thing about that car was they only came in black. Huh. And um, the first week we had it, we went to a restaurant, parked outside, had our dinner, came back out, got in the car, 
And my husband looks around and he said, I don't think this is our car. I said, well, they are all black. <laughs> he said, yeah, let's, let, I said, maybe it's that one. Oh, my gosh. So we, and it, it turned out the key fit every single car. <laughs> <laughs> That's bizarre. Oh, my gosh. We could have driven off in anything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is a crazy story. Well, you know, I guess they're trying to make them inexpensive and affordable, but that's not a great way to be able to keep your car once the thieves figure that out. Yeah, I know. Wow. That's crazy. Well, that was, <laughs> yeah. Well, Franco was in power at the time in Spain. Ah. And um, I think he had something to do with not wanting foreign cars in the country except the SEAT. Yeah. 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 Probably had some kickbacks mm. coming in from that company or something. <laughs> no, no oh, yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. Well, one of the things I learned about you, and I'd love to hear a little bit about this, is your your only stint in a race car was uh, ice racing and a pea green pacer that uh, I hear gave up halfway through the, the middle of the race. So you ended up, in your words, sitting in the lake like a fat frog. Well, that's absolutely true. I was working for Gannett Newspapers, and the editors um, came across something, an ad that said ice racing. And he said, oh, that sounds interesting. Why don't you go? And I said, I can't do that. I haven't got a race car. And he said, no, no, you just take your regular car and race it. <laughs> so that's what I did. And it was very embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a, a phrase, and you probably know this phrase, that's racing. Uh, things happen sometimes. Oh, I, actually, I did do one other race, and that was up at Watkins Glen. Ooh. It was a Can-Am race, and the press were invited as usual, and we were given a press race. We all were presented with a Volkswagen Rabbit, and we had to go around the track to see how, much, how little fuel we could use driving around the track, which was pretty silly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, so I, I just gave up and, and I just went for it, you know. <laughs> Good for you. And of course, I, well, I was ranked last because <laughs> I used up all the gas. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds like they, what they were trying to do is to make sure a whole bunch of people that maybe didn't have racing skills did not get themselves into trouble. So they went very slow, right? Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's no fun, especially not at Watkins Glen. No. I mean, that iconic track. Well, before we talk about this book that you got involved with, with Pete Lyons and Sonny Balkeen, yeah. um, I'd love for you to share just a little bit about the many facets of your career, because you've been an automotive journalist, you've been an author, but you're also a ghost writer, meaning you help people. No doubt you helped with this book with Sonny, but uh, can you go through... Um, the different facets of the many parts of your career? Well, yes, I always wanted to be a newspaper reporter and I had no intention of doing anything else. Later on, I was living in California and I was working as a columnist for Entrepreneur Magazine. And some gentleman called and said, I'm looking for a writer. I want to write a book. My editor thought, oh, Jill could do that. And so she asked me and I said, a book? A whole book? Do you know how many words that is? <laughs> yes. I only write 1,500 is my, you know, my limit. Yes. And she said, well, if you look at each chapter as an article you might be writing, would that help? And it did. Wow. And so I wrote the book. And it turned out it was with Rudy Valley's wife, 
fourth wife because he was dead. And uh, I worked with her on her book about her husband. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that that set off another aspect of your career. Well, it did because then somebody else was referred to me and all the uh, referrals I got, I've done about 16 books. Oh, my gosh. People. Wow. Well, I like the fact that I help them realize their dream. Yeah. You know, people want to get their story out. They don't know what to do or how to do it. And here I am. <laughs> wow. Well, that yeah. is very cool. Well, I love that. And that's a nice segue into this book, uh, Raul Sonny Balkin's biography. You know, since Cargiaz all about the automotive world, I was referred to Sonny by the fine folks at Evro Press who published that book. And of course, Judy Stropas, who got us together today. Judy knows everybody in the car world. Uh, I have known, yeah, I've known Judy for about 30 years. And the same with Pete Lyons. Oh, really? You know, because we were all in the same community. I think I met Judy at the Indy 500 back in early 80s or something. Yeah. Oh, wow. And and the same with Pete. Yeah. We just know each other. Well, that's pretty <laughs> cool. Well, car people do hang out with car people and you're hanging out with the right crowd for sure. So how did this book with uh, Sonny all come together? And of course, uh, my listeners who heard me speak with Sonny, his name is Raul Balkin, but his friends call him Sonny and the car world calls him Sonny. So Jill and I call him Sonny now because we're all friends. But how did this whole book come together for you and especially involving Pete? Because getting two writers involved and then listening to a story, was that a unique way to work on a book for you or have you done this before? Well, what happened was with this book, Raul, uh, Sonny called me up and he said he was referred to me by a friend of a friend. And so we had lunch because I like to meet the person before I commit to anything in case we hate each other. (laughs) And we we got along like a house on fire. And so I wrote this, I wrote the book, the first draft, and then Pete Lyons came on board and wrote the second draft, adding his wonderful knowledge of everything racing. Ah. And before I knew it, there was Evro publishing the book. Wow. It worked out nicely. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, this Mm -hmm. is very fascinating. So when you work with somebody, especially as charismatic as Sonny, because this book goes so deep into his life and all these little facets and aspects of of racing and the fact that he knew so many people in the racing world. I mean, he was dropping names in my talk like Mm -hmm. every every sentence. When you when you get to know somebody like this and I mean, he's in his 80s, so this guy's had a life that is just amazing. How do you, I mean, where does a writer start when they're trying to tell somebody's story? Maybe it's at the beginning? Is that the answer? Well, yes, it should be chronological. I ask them to create a timeline for me. So, you know, certain years when something significant happens. Actually, with one celebrity I wrote about, uh, he had something happening every year for about 50 years. (laughs) But with Sonny, I asked him to put together a timeline, which he did. And we went from there. And I would uh, start at the beginning. And the beginning was when he was in Europe, where his father was stationed in the uh, with the army. And um, when uh, Sonny was about 10 or eight, perhaps, 
he started his first business. <laughs> yes. And was very successful. And of course, later on in life, he was a, a very successful entrepreneur. And uh, yeah, but in between, there was all that wonderful racing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. I would suspect that you found, because of your background in journalism in the racing world, that you could relate to a lot of this versus being a ghostwriter for somebody that perhaps didn't have any background in the automotive world and the racing world. That must have been a great help. Well, interestingly, it was the first book that I wrote um, about racing because previously I've written business books for people. I wrote a book for an oil tycoon. I wrote a book for a fashion designer. So there were many other elements that I got into. But with Sunny, that was the first book on racing that I have done. Yeah. Wow. Well, very cool. Well, I like to ask my guests about big challenges. Usually they're either something involved with their career or their life. And we can certainly talk about that, but maybe we focus it in on the book about Sunny. Was there one great challenge that you faced in writing this book? No, because he was, his memory is incredible. He is a highly intelligent intellectual. You know, he has an MBA. He went to UCLA and he, he was marvelous. I just had to sit there, ask a few questions and make sure my recorder was working. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was wonderful because he has total recall. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. well, when I when I interviewed him, I was amazed by uh, how in depth he could go into history, going back to the fifties and sixties. And I'm thinking, yeah, sometimes I can't mm -hmm. remember what I did yesterday. How are you remembering all this stuff? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I know. And and the fact that he is an inventor, he invented engine parts. Yes, he he built his own dragster. It, he's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, that but must have been one fun. I have one favorite story about him. Yes. And I'm not sure. If, I think it got dropped from the book. But anyway, um, he also has a pilot's license. And he used to, when he was working with Carol Shelby, he would fly um, Carol's Cessna to Riverside Raceway, where the cars would be practicing. Wow. And so one day, Carol called him and said, please go to L.A. airport and pick up five Japanese businessmen who I'm bringing to the race. So um, Sonny flew the, the Cessna over to LAX and picked up these Japanese businessmen. One of them was the son of the vice premier of Japan. Wow. So they were all very important people. Anyway, so normally when uh, Sonny uh, flies to Riverside Raceway, he lands on the straightaway near uh, Turn 9. Oh, wow. Uh, right on the, on the race. Well, there's nowhere else to, to fly. Oh, that's into. right. There was no airport over there. No, no airport. So he's coming in with these five uh, VIPs into the track. And normally he said he has to fly around the track four or five times so that the crew chiefs of the cars who are out there practicing get the idea, oh, Sonny's coming in to land. So they clear the track for him. Wow. So he's coming in towards the straightaway and the wind changed. And suddenly uh, looming in front of him was the footbridge, the uh, Champion Spark Club oh, footbridge. No. Oh, no. Crossing the 
crossing over the track. So he had to make a very quick correction and and he did land okay. So the um he landed and helped these Japanese people off the plane and they were all smiling and bowing and he said it was obvious they had the slightest idea that um they could have crashed. Yeah. It was about to end that bridge. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. Well, today they would have probably never allowed an airplane to land on a racetrack. But those were different times. Back no, then. but those were different days. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's tremendous. Yeah. You know, when you yeah. think about what you've done in your life, you've written all these interesting books, and you've talked to so many interesting people. Looking ahead, is there a bucket list type book for you? Something you'd really like to work on a project? You know, I'm writing, I write a mystery series and uh, I've written two of them and I'm working on, excuse me, I'm working on mystery number three and that's what I need to get back to. But no, I mean, I just, whatever shows up, I enjoy. (laughs) Yeah. You're a little you're a little bit like uh Dr. Ferdinand Porsche, who when he was asked what is your favorite Porsche, he said the next one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when you know I have a passion for writing. I write articles and these books and it's essays and blogs, etc. And I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> And that's why I'm not a good techie. Well, you've di- you discovered the secret sauce to life, Jill. That is do what you're passionate about. So you're a very fortunate person. I am. Well, I like to ask people about special vehicles in their life. And when you look back, you've mentioned a few that you've had, the, the car that your husband got for you and some other cars you've had after that. Is there one special vehicle in your life? And I'll allow you, if you would like to expand this to maybe a cool car that you ended up getting to ride in or drive like that one at Watkins Glen. Uh, Is there a special vehicle in your life that you could share a quick story with us? Well, I owned a 79 Camaro with T-tops. It was the first Camaro with factory T-tops. Wow. And they kept getting getting stolen. (laughs) Stolen? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Well, that was the first time they had the T tops on this mo- on the model. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I loved that car, and I kept it for about twenty two years. Oh my gosh! And when I finally had to give it up because things were starting to go all at once, there about three. I had about three hundred thousand miles on it. Wow! Mm, that, I know that's incredible. But, I, but when. Yeah, and when I worked for Entrepreneur Magazine, I wrote a column for business people uh, about business cars. So I got invited on every press trip imaginable to Europe, Sweden, Italy, everywhere uh, for a week. And we would test drive the cars. And that was a lot of fun. But they were not race cars at all. Wow. Yeah. You know, you think about those T-tops, and I didn't re- I didn't know this, but T-tops have been on so many different vehicles, and I'm not sure which car first had them, but they've been on Buicks, Chevrolets, Chryslers, the Datsuns, uh, the Ford Mustang, the Capri, Nissans, the Pontiac Fiero. I mean, Subaru Brat even had yeah. T-tops. The the Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme had T-tops. I mean, an incredible number of cars went with that. But I'll have to do a little research and find out who was the first inventor of the T-top. I'm sure there's a listener out there screaming at us going, I know the answer. I know the answer. <laughs> 
I know. Well, certainly the 79 Camaro was the first uh, model, that model, with T-tops. And uh, I think after it was, they were made at the factory, and after that, they were not made at the factory. I don't know where they were made, probably China somewhere. But um, I loved that car. It was white. And a few years later, they changed the rear end of the car. They chopped it off. And I was so upset because, <laughs> it, you know, it was such a graceful car. Yes. Front and back. It was beautiful. But, you know, it looked like a Jag. The good Jags. <laughs> the good the well Jags. well-designed Jags. Yeah, before they became lozenges that oh. <laughs> don't look like everything else, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's the way a lot of cars are today. Well, I did a quick check for us here, and hopefully I got this right. The first car to use a T-top was the 1968 Chevrolet Corvette Coupe. So we'll see if a listener out there can correct me on that on uh, Jill's show notes page. Okay. But, uh, I think that might have been the first uh-huh. one. So there you go. So, Jill, given that you're a creative person, very creative with words. This next question should be rather unique, but I'm going to expect something kind of creative out of your mind. I'm going to be your car psychologist. If you were reincarnated, (laughs) pun intended, as a vehicle, what would you be? But more importantly, why? Ah, what would I be? I think I would be um, the Rolls, uh, Silver Cloud, Rolls Royce, Silver Cloud. Okay. Well, a little bit of your British heritage there. Well, I've driven it, and I just loved it. Ah. You know, I had it for a week. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, they had press cars, you know, and uh, a journal- or journalists can get a car for a week and test drive it. Yeah. As long as it's bona fide journalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was loaned a new Rolls-Royce one weekend, and this was probably about 12 years ago. And Rolls-Royce is, to me, magnificent cars, but not a car that I've ever aspired to even want because I like sports cars. But I'll tell you something, and I'm wondering if you experience the same thing. You feel pretty darn special when you're driving a Rolls-Royce. Um, Actually, I can't. I felt no? more special when I... I had the Corvette. Yeah, that was <laughs> hey, a lot more fun. You're my, red you're my kind of gal, Jill. I love you. <laughs> that, yeah, that's great. Well, I, you know, I got a lot of attention, and and the fun thing I did when I brought it home, in fact, it was so big it barely fit in my garage. I had to kind of park it at an angle. Is I gave all the neighbors rides because everyone wanted to go for a ride in that big thing and ride in the back seat. <laughs> right. So I was, I, yeah, I was giving everybody rides mm-hmm. around the neighborhood. So that was pretty fun. So this book again, I always ask my guests for a favorite book. And I'm going to do that, but I want to remind everybody again, this book titled Raul Sonny Balkeen, uh, which was co-written by Jill and, of course, Pete Lyons, and Sonny's help, of course, uh, is available from Evro. I'll put links to that. Is there another book that you might share with us? And it can be a book that you've written. Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I published a book this year about aviation art. Oh. Yeah. There was... Uh, Virginia Bader is the woman's name. She died recently, and she pioneered the aviation art genre here in America. She came from England, and she would bring over former World War II pilots from Germany and England and America, and she would host symposiums, and they would debate each other talking about their aerial battles, laughing about them many years later, of course. Wow. 
So, um, yeah. And she had a wonderful time. She would hold symposiums at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum and then all around the country. She brought in some Russian pilots from World War II. Of course, they were pretty old by then, but they were still, they had their memories and, and they loved getting together with their former enemies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how, so do, you, that was, how do you spell Virginia's mm-hmm. last name? B-A-D-E-R. She was the cousin of Sir Douglas Bader, who was the UK's premier fighter pilot. It just came out, so it's on Amazon. Yeah. Well, and then last year, I published another book based on a true 9-11 story. And um, that was about a a teenager who married one of the 9-11 hijackers. Oh, my gosh. But this was when he came here as a student, as most of them did, on student visas. And um, she met him and... um, she realized he was holding terrorist cell meetings in their home. Oh, my gosh. And anyway, yeah, so it goes on from there. But it was an interesting story. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Wow. Well, I'll put links to all of these on Jill's show notes page so you can get your hands on these wonderful books and experience her writing. Oh, thank you. That's yes. very nice. Absolutely. So I'm going to enable you, Jill, to go on what I call is the ultimate Ride or drive. I'm going to park any car in the world in your driveway. doesn't matter what the cost is. You can take it anywhere. But here's a fun part of this magical journey. You can take anyone with you, even somebody who's no longer with us. So somebody from the past. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? Ah, well, actually, I like the Alfa Romeo SUV. Okay. The the new one yes. is beautiful <laughs> and it's large and yeah. I feel safe in it. Okay. <laughs> and who would I take along with me? I would take Teo Fabi. Mm. He's yeah, an F one driver. Yeah. And when I went to work for Skull Bandit Racing and went to all the races, he was our first driver. He was an F one driver as well, and he drove our our car. When it debuted at the Indy 500, I think it was back in 83 or something. Of course, the crew was was new. We were all new to this racing thing. (laughs) And it was wonderful at Indy. And during the pole qualifying, Teo ended up on the pole. Wow. And it was wonderful. I mean, here's this rookie, basically, at the Indy 500 on the pole. Wow, and yeah. so we were all thrilled to bits, of course. And then it came time for a, for him to come into the pits for fueling. And the uh, young crew guy who was in charge of the fuel hose was so excited. He jams it into the uh, hole there and breaks the seal. Oh, no. Oh, so no. the car is out of action. Oh, and. Uh. Teo, who is from Milan in Italy, jumps out of the car, runs to the parking lot, and drives to the airport and goes home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would so be hadn't... very, uh, yeah, emotional <laughs> time for sure, especially for a rookie to make the uh, the pole position, the Indy 500. He raced in the middle 80s, wasn't it? He, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. Yeah. yeah and then f- we had, uh, yeah, some other drivers, Tom Sneaver, AJ Foyt. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, some that's others. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Teo ran for the Tolman team, the Brabham team, and the Benetton, which was pretty wild in the 80s. The Benetton team, of course, those colors of the cars and everything were, uh, yes, were pretty yeah. cool. So, wow. Well, that would be a fun drive. Teo Fabi at the wheel of an Alfa Romeo. And uh, you could talk about those, maybe not talk about those days, maybe something better. <laughs> yeah. Isn't I that, know. Isn't that fun? Jill, you've taken us on a wonderful journey today. And, and I can't thank you thank enough you. for, you're welcome for joining me. This has been just a delight. And I want to do another shout out to our, our good friend, Judy, for putting us together. Judy brings so many fantastic inspiring automotive enthusiasts to this show so judy another champ you brought me here before i let you go today joe could you share some parting words of wisdom or inspiration for our listeners about anything about life or you know we're into the new year here and it's always a good time to be reflective but also forward thinking on how you look at life and setting goals and doing what you want to do well um my goal setting always includes discipline And uh, I learned that in a newspaper. And unfortunately, I also learned to write lean because you could only often have 700 words to a story for a newspaper. So uh, now I I have free reign (laughs) and I can write my mysteries as long as I wish, although they're usually about 300 pages. But, um, yeah, discipline, and if you want to be a writer or anything, you must sit down and do it. Don't talk about it too much. Just get it done. It's great advice. My son is writing his first uh, novel right now. He works in the tech world, but he loves to read and is writing a book. And I can't wait to get my eyes on that when he's ready for it. But he said the same thing. Uh, the discipline needed to write, you've just got to sit down, pick a time every day and work on it. And I've heard that from so many authors I've heard on the show. And you know, the other part of it, writing lean, there was an app that I found years ago that you can use and you can put your paragraphs into and it will rewrite them the way that Hemingway wrote, which he was the master at less words, I guess is the way I would say it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a very, I don't know if that app still exists. I'll have to look for it, but I used to use it when I did my blogs because I tried to write very short blogs. But you realize when you think about Hemingway's style, how he could say so much with so few words. That was part, exactly. of, his, part of his magic. But, you, you, but that's the magic word you just used, words. And the other, uh, the other magic word is active verb. Because that describes something that somebody can imagine easily, you know, instead of saying he went to the movies, he he slogged along to the movies. Yes. Something that's more descriptive. Yeah. That's Ah. what people like. There you go. (laughs) The master wordsmith you are. How can people learn more about you, Jill? Do you have a website? I have a website. It's called Jill Amadio Mysteries. I have two websites, uh-huh. JillAmadioMysteries.com, and the other is called GhostwritingPro.com. All right. Ghostwriting. Pro. Ghostwriting Pro. Yeah. Very cool. I'll put both yeah. of these links on Jill's show notes page. I may be calling you, Jill. I've been thinking about writing a book sometime into my future. So uh, Good. maybe, maybe Good. we can collaborate. Yeah, that would be quite fun. Yeah, I'd love it. 
Well, it would be great to work with you. Listeners, you can find everything that Jill has shared with us today on her Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Jill, and I'll spell her last name, A-M-A-D-I-O, and you'll find her right there. I haven't had a lot of Jills on the show, although I've got a Jill in my <laughs> wife, my in my life. <laughs> my wife is Jill, uh, but... Uh, uh, you'll find everything you can uh, learn about Jill there. Uh, check out her websites. Jill, uh, happy new year to you, and thank you for being so well, generous to today. You too. Well, thank you with your and, time. And, and to all your listeners, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Merry, Merry everything. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and Mark, I've enjoyed this tremendously, so thank you very much. Wow, you warm my heart. Thank you. This has been great. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Yes, you certainly will. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!